So the computer will always take the more probable choice, but the more probable one is not always the right answer. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte, and I'm here with Matt Rouse. Say hi, Matt. Hello. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the future of voice tech radio and podcasting for the second half of our thing with Seth Crussman. Say hi, Seth. Howdy. Howdy. Wow. He's a howdy. cowboy. That's what I used to say when I lived in Calgary. Cowtown, yeah. we used to call it. Yeah. You used to say howdy. howdy. I said howdy because I was from Idaho. Right? So, I mean, it's all kind of the same neighborhood. Everybody's partner. Thanks, partner. Yeah. What's up, partner? I, yeah. I never said that. I do that today and just to throw like a bomb into the mix. Everybody's like, wait, who? What? Wait. What are, you, what are you talking about? What do you mean by partner? <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been calling people boss lately. So anyway, let's get into this. Okay, boss. So we don't get uh, confused too much. All right. So today we're going to ask questions and speculate about the future of voice tech. It's a speculation thing, but voice tech is where we're going. It's where we're at. And it's becoming more and more of our daily lives. I watched somebody this morning, instead of typing a text, push a button and start speaking, and the entire text message came out, and then they sent an email the same way, and then sent along a voice memo with it. So voice and AI and stuff like that, it's happening, it's here, and that's kind of where we're at. And podcasting is the same way. It used to be people listen to the radio or they listen to a talk show or something like that. And now people are listening to podcasts instead of, you know, some people are doing it in lieu of going to college. If you listen to Gary Vee, he's like, no, stop wasting your money and go learn it, go do it, right? But podcast listening is on the rise. The 2019 Edison poll said that 51% of Americans have listened to a podcast. Also that 49% of podcast listening is done in the home. 22% of that in the car, and podcast listeners are, on average, more affluent, more educated, and listen longer than talk radio listeners. So, what do you guys think? What is your take on this? Let's start with Seth, because he looks like he's itching to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, because we're using voice technology right now. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes. Not, not necessarily what we're talking about. And I feel like there should be some kind of a call or a text line or something like that. So it would be really nice. call in. Yeah, call in. And what do you think about the future of voice (laughs) technology? And then we'll have some smooth sounds alongside it. That's right. (laughs) I can do that. Some smooth sounds. That was uh, fully editable. So, gosh, what do I think about voice technology? Well, I was actually listening to a podcast just yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was talking about Alexa or Amazon and how there's actually a human component that people were not aware of, that Amazon is grabbing those conversations, or Alexa, whichever you want to say, is grabbing those conversations and running them through a super secret society of people that are making sure that those translations are accurate. You know, it's kind of like they're the finishers of that digital copy to make Mm -hmm. sure that they're tweaking it behind the scenes. Apparently, there was a little bit of concern around the what do you want to call it? The, uh, the privacy. Privacy. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. I have a theory on this. Unlike most things, I have an opinion. Yeah. Oh, on this. <laughs> really? So <laughs> you have to fact check your AI, right? Right. Because your AI isn't always right. And so what you want to do is you want to make sure that you can go through and test things that the AI gets, the, the data that it's getting. And in Alexa's case, that's two minutes or less of conversation to ask Alexa to do something. And that is anonymized before it's sent to the group. 
So the group that is fact-checking it doesn't know who you are, for starters. Right. And it's not listening to, like, your normal conversation in your house. It's only listening to stuff where the Alexa was activated. So unless you're like, well, we buried the bodies in the backyard, Alexa, then no one is going to actually get that information. And if they did, they wouldn't know who you were anyway, right? Yeah, well, that's a relief. So, yeah, if you said that to Alexa and Alexa knows where the bodies are buried, you're still in the clear. I use places close to her suggestions. That's right. You're, yeah. Do you use Siri while you're... Siri, how deep do I dig a grave in my backyard? That's probably not the best search you could do. See, and that's where you come close, because instead of doing it in your own backyard... That's right. Use your neighbors. And then the police just go, Siri, grave site's near me. Well, you know. <laughs> Actually, that would probably be more of a Google Maps search. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Somebody that they just have... There were the ad words on it, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking for murders near me. <laughs> so that's a I think a we good got off track. Turn. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> when does it not? The people who are checking, <laughs> that's true. The people who are checking to see if the information that's going into the AI are there to make the system work better. They're not there to spy on you because honestly, no one really cares what you're doing. Like unless you are some kind of like public figure or... I don't know, you have some kind of security clearance for some reason, like the average day-to-day -day Alexa user. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares if you're listening to Beyonce or, you know, if you're trying to have it tell you what the weather is tomorrow. Like, nobody cares. But we do care that when we ask Siri or Alexa or Cortana or whatever it is, Google Pod and what they all are, right? We want it to know what we're asking and to give us the correct answer. And that's why we need real people to check the AI to make sure that it's doing what we told it to do. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but it, the image that I have in my in my head right now is using the the AI, using Alexa, and, and making the requests that I make. Hey, Alexa, play this, and in the convenience, right, of that. And then there being that next thing that happens where it's, you know, it's really all about making convenience happen for us, right? And doing the thing that I would like it to do. Hey, mm -hmm. Alexa, what's for dinner? Oh, I'll order you blah, 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 right? And then pretty soon I'm going to turn around and be like, Alexa, why have you not picked up your room? That's right. You know, <laughs> I, I brought you into this <laughs> world. I will up. take you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's, if, and we're talking about the future of voice tech, right? So we're talking about looking forward into the future. And I had this discussion quite a while ago, actually. And, and it started with a discussion about self-driving cars that have AIs behind them. Mm -hmm. And there's not really an AI in your self-driving car. An AI designed how your self-driving car figures out what is a threat versus an object versus a vehicle versus a pedestrian, those kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have an AI that can connect with things like your voice technology in your car and it's self-driving, so you don't need to be in it, right? Uh -huh. Then when you get up in the morning... Your car should have already gone to get your coffee, got your breakfast, did whatever errands you had on your list that it can do by itself, driven back to your house, and it's waiting for you. So when you get in your car, you take your groceries out, you put them in the fridge, you go back, you get in, your coffee's there, your breakfast's there, and you go yeah. to work. And then yeah. you do your work while you're driving because you don't have to drive. And the self-driving car takes you, drops you off of work, goes and finds somewhere to park, or it yeah. unfortunately will probably drive around really slowly in circles because it's cheaper than parking in most downtown areas yeah. and uh, ruin traffic. Well, if it's smart cars, the, the AI cars, Uber and Lyft and stuff, they're working on platforms to where you can have your car work for you while you're at work. So if you're driving a Tesla or if you're driving one of these autonomous vehicles, then you can say, okay, I'm going to work, and it'll go out and it'll give Uber and Lyft rides. 
Like, Pad up your bank account while you're at work. There you go. <laughs> pay pay for that Tesla because <laughs> it's super affordable. Well, I think that's a good idea, right? Is you want to be using your technology. It's the same idea as a vacation property or rental property, right? Yeah. So when you're not using your vacation rental, you rent it out to other people the other 11 months a year or whatever it is, right? However much vacation you take, right? Mm -hmm. To make money for you. So when you're not using your car, you can rent out your car. Right. I mean, you could do that right now with Turo and what are the other ones that you use? Turo, I know, you know more get about around. What's the reach now? Right. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them, so right? So are we renting out our, I forget, are we renting but if out our AI? So I, here's the thing, is if there's an <coughs> AI controlling your car. Oh, okay. Your car takes you to work to drop you off. And then the rest of the day it's. it's it can go out and drive Uber, yeah. make money for you. Right. Until Pimp it needs to come pick you up. That's truly pimping your ride. That is. Yeah. Truth. That is pimping your ride, yeah. like Baby literally. I guess so maybe that, not literally, so literally. Now that you've like tapped into my dream that I, I had and I'm really kind of freaked out by how you were able to get in there and, and then articulate that so beautifully. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like AI creeps me out, man. It does. It freaks me out. I mean, there's the, the, the what you're talking about, right? right? Which is, oh, that's great. That's awesome. I can't wait until it serves me for what I want. But then there's the other side of that, too. That makes me think, well, when does the government get involved? And when is Alexa taking care of my children? Right. Right. Or Hopefully there's a, soon. Because... Or there's the good stuff, right? <laughs> that I'm getting a little bit, you know, can't take care of myself. And AI is there. Alexa is there kind of taking care of me or, or populations that could not. That already sort of happens. Yeah. Right? So there is, and I mean, I know that we're talking about voice tech, but we're kind of veering into the AI world completely at this but point. But I think they're, are we, they're, are we they're kind of inclusive. They though. are, right? I mean, you need yeah. one to use the other, right? Yeah. But if you were to have, like, say you're a person who has limited mobility, voice to be able to turn on and off your lights and your appliances and home automation and letting people in and out of your house and unlocking your door and opening your garage and ordering food and, and all of these things and getting information mm -hmm. is super powerful, right? Yeah. Like, and it could, I mean, if we're looking at, from my perspective, like the, the long-term care scenario and the rising costs of long-term care, just one of those conversations that we're not going to have right now, trust right. me. So, <laughs> but I mean, there's technology is the, the beauty of it that is that it ultimately can lower costs and create more opportunity, right? Right. And not just in the medical field or no. in, in almost any field. Right. Right. So where, where every time you have a convergence of technology, there is a net loss of some jobs and stuff because that happens when you disrupt an industry. Sure. But then there's also a creation of jobs, whether that's a plus or minus, it's going to depend on the industry. Mm -hmm. Like when Uber came in and took over taxis, mm -hmm. lots of taxi drivers lost their jobs. Yeah. But did they or did they just become Uber and Lyft drivers? You know, it's hard to say. The ones I know just became Uber and yeah, Lyft drivers. Pretty much. The thing with disruption is that if it's an industry that was disrupted that should have known better, I don't feel bad for them. If they never saw it coming, then I kind of do feel bad for them. But there's no reason all the taxi companies in town couldn't have got together, made their own app, distributed their drivers, and been able to make efficiencies. But instead, you had to call you get out of happy hour where you go to an event or something at 10 or 11 o'clock at night in Hillsboro, which is pretty far out of Portland. Yeah. And you're waiting an hour and a half to two hours to get a taxi. But now I can order a lift on my phone and have it be there in 11 minutes. Yep. What do you think is going to happen to the taxi company? Right. Mm -hmm. But the taxi company could have done it. They had the money. Mm -hmm. They had all of the money, mm -hmm. all of the business and all of the vehicles. Mm -hmm. Right. And all yeah. the licenses. They could have built an app. They could have set it up. So you know what? Tough luck.
Yeah. Maybe you should have thought of that. Well, right? I mean, if they weren't so concerned about, you know, just holding on to their market share, right, right and mm-hmm. were more interested in owning a piece of the road, it's kind of the, that right. scenario, right? What would you rather have? Like, IBM was really stuck in, hey, we own this technology, and Microsoft was more like, ah, we'll take the road. And they almost became an obsolete part of the industry. Yeah, they, they fought they, pretty darn hard to come back. Oh, yeah. And some companies, I mean, it's just not in them. They're just not built to do that. I mean, the Kodak example comes up a lot. Kodak was already ahead of the game in digital cameras. Yeah. But they were looking at it from a viewpoint of every dollar that we spend in marketing film, you know, we make $400. Mm -hmm. Every dollar we spend on digital cameras, we make $1.10. So why would we get into this super low margin, high competition business? Well, the answer is because Kodak doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Right? (laughs) But... They couldn't see that, right? You can't see the forest from the trees sometimes. Right, right, yeah. And they already knew it was coming. Yeah. They even knew in the 1970s, they already had projected when digital cameras would take good enough pictures to surpass film. In, I mean, from when, a when did consumer. You say that was? In the 70s. In the 70s. They knew it. They saw it wow. 40 years out. Wow. And they still couldn't steer the ship because they were making so much money on the film side that they were like, well... And then it was, well, I know, well, maybe we get out of consumer cameras and we'll just stick with the film industry and scientific industries and stuff, right? Yeah. Because no one's going to ever use a digital camera in space, right? Or, you know, but now it's the only thing. Yeah, for x So as you go, right? And I mean, we're getting away from voice tech again, like I said. Let's talk about voice tech. But, well, let's talk about the other thing about AI first. Okay. Because you had brought that up and I want to come back to it. Okay. And that's about the creepy part of AI. Mm -hmm. There's lots of creepy stuff with AI. There's lots of things that people don't expect to happen with AI that we never thought of that's happening that has come up. So I'll give you a good example. So one of them was there was an AI and what the AI did was it was taking satellite photos and converting them into like Google Maps drawings. So they, it was converting them into illustrations. And then they would use the AI again to try and convert the illustration back into a photograph. Uh-huh. And what happened was after a while, it got so good at it that you couldn't tell the one that was the original satellite photo and the one that it had created from the drawing. And they looked at it and they were like, well, this is basically impossible because it can't make the detail. What they figured out is that the AI had found out that if it changed the file format to encode all the data of the original photograph into Uh the drawing, Uh then it knew what was there so it could redraw it. So it cheated. That's the that's, that's the creepy something stuff, right? that makes it creepy, right? Yeah. You're like, when it, when it is improving upon itself, then it's like it is like, right? But it's doing it outside of the parameters that right. they gave it, right? That's right. yes. So, which is that that argument of well, Skynet. has it? Yeah, that's right, Skynet. <laughs> has, it, has it become its own sentient like yeah. being? Because and that no, is, it's, like, it's the, just it's just trying every possible way that it can to get the result that you're asking it to get, right? Within the parameters that you've given it. Sentience. Yeah. Terrible, terrible example. Well, it's a hard thing to try and figure out, right? Well, I think, okay, so if you're setting parameters for something, it's like our kids, right? Take it back to the kids. You take your kid to the park. Okay, you can play in here, but do not go over there. Do not do this. I think if you program the AI and give it the parameters, both positive and negative, tell it what it cannot do. So if you told the AI, you can't do this, then it would have had to learn or, or find a different way to do it. So... I think that if we're going to avoid Skynet and avoid it becoming sentient and doing what it wants, 
then we would have to code in the parameters that say you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Like the rules of robotics or whatever it is from. Right, like Asimov's rules of robotics? Yeah. Four rules because there's three, but one of them's the zeroth rule. The zeroth rule. <laughs> that came up later. So the, the three rules of robotics in there, one of them were that you a robot can't allow a person to come to harm if it has the ability to stop that. The zeroth rule was it's okay for some people to come to harm if the majority of people are better off. In which case, that could be a really bad thing. Yeah. Right? Especially if you're in the minority. It's evaluating all, right. all the context and that's and it's making it a Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Let's up the creepy factor. Are you ready? Okay. Here's a scenario. Self-driving car mm-hmm. has an AI. It's going down the road and the brakes go out. It has to steer... And it's only got three options of Uh what it can do. Uh Number one, it can crash the car and kill the driver. Number two, it can save the driver by going straight but run over a child. Uh, And number three, it it can steer the car out of the way, but it's going to run over two doctors. Which one do you think it should do? Which one do I think it should do? Sure. You're the programmer. That's the uh, hardest question. (laughs) I think that's that's coming back to that same question, the the zeroth rule, basically. And that's unfortunately... Who are you we die. to judge? Like the right. the dry, that car and the driver die. So what if the car companies then, who are making the AIs for the cars, sure, one right. of them says, you should buy our self-driving car because ours values the life of the driver above all else. Mm. Which car are you going to buy? Mm. Right? Well, that's the one I'm going to buy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because you want it to, to value your life over others, right? Because I've, I've got a, a, a rule that, you know, is self-preservation. Right. Yes. That's pretty deep. These are terrible yeah. ethical questions, right? It is. And like another one might be your car is a split second away from crashing into an object. It could slightly steer left or right to kill the driver versus the passenger. Oh. Should it save the driver or the passenger? Yeah. These are questions that the AI has to know the answer to. Yes. Right? Yes. Or does it just careen into the thing and kill everybody? How do you make a decision? And I think my thought is because you can use simulation, you could simulate these things over and over and over billions of times, mm-hmm. right? In a controlled environment where you're not using an actual car in a software environment that right. an AI can do. Right. And you can have it run it until it finds a way to mitigate the chance of any of the horrible things happening. Uh-huh. So maybe it could slightly steer and potentially kill the driver, but most likely not kill the person it was going to hit. But there's maybe a 15% chance that they'll both survive. That's a good option compared to killing one or the other, yeah. right? So maybe you can mitigate that with another AI, <laughs> right? Unless that AI is programmed in a way that it determines that the value of the driver is more important than the value of someone else. And then it's yeah. it's a no-brainer. It's just like, pfft, run them over. Or it just determines that the value of the AI is greater and more valuable than anything. That's right. And it gets out. But the thing about an AI is once you program the AI, it's free to make another AI. Oh, yeah. Right? Because you could just copy it. And that's where another type of AI, like the AI that we're talking about right now is a kind of a deep learning system. Uh-huh. But there's another that's called evolutionary learning system that writes software. And what it does is it takes software and it makes millions of copies of the software and changes every single copy to see which one is better than the last one. Uh-huh. And then it does it over and over and over and over. Uh-huh. And it's basically a duplicate of the biological evolutionary right. system, right. except with software. Yeah. So it's improving the software over and over and over and over and over. And it can try every possible combination because yeah. computers are fast enough now. 
So it's like, you know, when they said computers will never be able to beat a grandmaster at chess. And now most computers, like supercomputers in the world, could beat Uh a grandmaster at chess every single time. They even beat them at Go, which is like the most complicated, digitally complicated game in the world. No, that's Minesweeper. Oh, and Minesweeper. (laughs) Especially when you have the big level, Mm -hmm. you know, back on Windows 98. Remember Minesweeper? I mean, it's on Windows 10, isn't it? (laughs) I think it's on now. Yeah. Windows 98. Sorry. I know. It was a long time <laughs> ago. the funniest thing you've said that all day. That was back in the <laughs> 1900s. That was a learning system where you had to learn how to make it not crash, uh, which didn't happen again until Windows 7. <laughs> and we're doing this all without quantum computing. Yeah, we have supercomputers and stuff that are still the size of rooms and buildings, but we haven't fully cracked the nut on quantum computing. And once that comes into play, then you have Skynet because it's learned so fast you can't write fast enough to stop it or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. that's digressing way farther than we wanted to, I'm sure. With inter- good coffee. That's with, what that is right there. That is. There you go. I got good my coffee. AI to get me some coffee. <laughs> so with that, right, we're talking about AI. We're talking about voice tech. How long do you think it'll take before we have more interactive voice tech? If I want to sit down with a financial advisor, because you're sitting right here, right? And I want to get advice, but I don't want to go anywhere. I don't well, really don't want to talk to, to a person. You're right, you're right here. That's right. All right. <laughs> so I have two pennies. Can I or can you I not rub, rub them, them together? Yeah, you got to rub them together. So how long do you think it's going to be before something like that becomes a thing where we have programmed enough of the AI to download? I'm using your, your you as an example, Seth, okay. because... You're here, right? And you're not us. So if I make an app, a voice app, and put the information into it and, you know, connect it to tables and different things, how long until we can have an interactive conversation and not really know that we're talking to a, a, a computer, for lack of a better term. So you're talking about two different things here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of. One of those. There was like a part one, which is the answer is today, today. right now. Right. Like okay. like just yesterday, I believe, or this week, phone call. Hey, can I do this? I'm like, yeah, no, you, you can do that. And But what could I do? Hey, Google, can I do this? Right. And sure enough, Google's like, yes, you can. You know, that was the voice interactive feature that I can find that information out right now and with whether or not it's current in the tax code, maybe I have to go a layer beyond right. that. But for that next piece to happen before I'm like, I have no idea if the person I'm talking to right now is, in fact, a, like a... AI? Yeah. A, well, AI Yeah, or, like voice AI. Yeah. So when you're talking about programming something to do responses, that's mm-hmm. not AI, right? That's You're just programming it. Got it. But okay. an AI can take what someone's asking and independently make decisions to give a response to the person. That kind of AI would be like you connect it up to all of their bank accounts and financials and all that kind of stuff and the stock market and whatever else there is that they're looking at. And it will look at all those things, the returns on all their investments that they can get for all those different things and give them a suggestion. That's something that absolutely is in the realm of immediate possibility. But there's also, and in defense of, you know, people like yourself. Thank you. um, (laughs) Well, this is a real thing, right? So there was that guy that hacked into the NASDAQ and set a $2 billion sell offer. And then all of the AIs, the trading AIs for all the banks and all these corporations and, and trading groups immediately started selling off all their stock when they saw this. And the <laughs> stock market took like a massive 40% dive, right? Yeah. The problem is when you have an AI, the AI and the other AIs make decisions together that may not be the best decisions. 
let's say your financial AI that you made is giving a lot of people advice to maybe invest in a certain type of investment. And then the other AIs see people investing in that type of investment. Maybe they're like day trading AIs or whatever they are, right? And they see all these people that are now suddenly starting to invest in this. And they think, oh, this must be a good investment. They all start investing it. And everybody's investing in this thing. And it hyperinflates the value. That's a terrible investment now. I mean, unless you got in early. But the AI also has to know when to sell it off. But if it starts selling off and then all the other AIs start selling it off and you got the advice from the other AIs later, mm-hmm. then you're left holding the bag. So there's a lot <laughs> in that. Let's unpack that. There's the algorithms that are that are very popular today, mm-hmm. right? There's the robo-advisors. There's parts of this that is, if this is my case, right? A person's a case and this is kind of what they're doing. What can they do to have outcomes? And outcomes could be, you know, time horizons and all these other things, right? So there's all these different layers. There's so many different solves that you're asking an entity to find the solution to. And really what they're equipped to do is to kind of chart like a time horizon, like a time a time corridor, probabilities within that, and then potentially some risk assessment and volatility and consideration of those kind of things. But the rest of those factors, like, I mean, think of what chess is, right? You're, you're taking one chess game and then you're saying, okay, we want you to be able to beat the grandmaster at this chess game, computer, AI, whatever. And then what we're going to do to that is we're going to add the chess game from over here, the chess game from over there, the, all these chess games that are simultaneously kind of surrounding this scenario. And then you're not even doing that. You're changing the games to what? Minesweeper, mm-hmm. Go, whatever the right. uh, Fortnite. Uh, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> some of it is kind of right. like an interactive play right. at the same time. And that's that scenario where you're talking about like, oh, well, there's an inflation in this uh, investment over here. Right. And the AI doesn't understand that that's what's going on. But the person on the sidelines going, whoa, the fundamentals are nowhere near what this needs to be here. So there's a human element like and I think it comes into that, like the original uh, piece where the, the people around the Alexa voice are fixing some of the stuff behind what Alexa is doing and coming along beside right. that. So I, I can see where it's going. And I can say that it potentially has a lot of benefits to, uh, you know, streamlining some of what of the, the problem solvings that could be very simple solutions and also right. sidestepping, I think, maybe what has typically happened in the, the, the world of investment is people just not really paying attention or knowing what they're doing. I think that the AI is going to come in is where maybe you are an investment planner or financial planner or something and you have the AI tools that go out and make all the risk assessments and stuff and bring them to you. And then you make the decisions based on the results because AIs are designed to take an unbelievable amount of data, like more data than you could possibly ever even read in your entire life and make split second or sometimes, I mean, sometimes there's some processing time involved, but they want to make decisions. How they can evaluate that. They don't need to make a decision. Right. They can summarize all of the data and bring it to you and give you the important bits that you need to know from that millions right. or billions of pieces of data. Yeah, and then, and how then do you we can make, make a decision. Right, how do we make decisions, right? right. That's, I mean, emotions are a part of that. And it's a very significant part of our ability to make decisions. Tom Brady's a great example. Like, why? Why is he so successful at what, doing what he does? A, a fighter pilots, you know? And and if you remove the emotional equation, then, it, then they cannot do what they do. Right. So I've got another, actually. Are we talking about AI? Let's talk about AI some more. (laughs) So let's say that 
Jeremy's Jeremy's idea here is that you call, right? And the AI is going to help you make financial decisions. That's the premise that we're talking about. Okay. Computers are really good at calculating probabilities and people are really not good right. at calculating probabilities. Right. So the computer is always going to take the more probable choice if it's programmed that way, right? Mm -hmm. So have you ever heard of the Monty Hall problem? Do you know who Monty Hall was? I know who I Monty know. Python is. Yes. Monty Hall had that greatest, like he was like the greatest game show host of like the 80s and 90s kind of thing. It was, uh, everybody would dress up and they had Let's Make a Deal oh, was the name of the show. Okay, okay. People would jump up and down. They'd be yeah. like, okay, I've got three curtains. And you pick one of the three curtains, right? And so you're like, okay, I'm going to pick curtain number two. And they go, okay, well, two of the curtains have like a goat behind them. <laughs> and one of them has like the prize, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I was, they were talking about this on Seth Golden's podcast the other day. So anyways, they go, okay, well, you've picked curtain two, but behind curtain number three was a goat. And, oh, and everybody's like, okay, do you want to keep the curtain you have? Right, right. Or do you want to pick the other curtain? Right. So that's the question. Probability-wise, Yes. do you stay with the curtain you have? Yes. Or do you pick the other one you don't know? Yes. <laughs> well, which yes. one? Which yes one? is the answer. That's what you've programmed me to which, say, by the way. I know. Yes. My book is Start Saying Yes. But which one has a better probability of having the prize, the one that you already picked or the other one that you haven't picked before? Let's go to the computer. No, I don't know. Two, two, so is you got, you got, <laughs> two is the one you picked the first time. Stay so with it. Stick with it? Stick with it. Well, just for the sake of parody. <laughs> you're going to go with the other one? Yes. Why? That's a tougher <laughs> question, right? That, was, that wasn't what you thought it was. <laughs> I was almost out. <laughs> All right. So what's the chance that you're going to pick the right one when there's three curtains? 33.333%. Uh, that's one and three, right? Okay, so we know, we know what's behind curtain number three. Yes. There's two left. Yes. So now what's the chance? 50%. Right. It's 50-50. But it's actually only 50-50 of you picking curtain three, but it's still one in three of picking curtain two. Right. And the reason is that they've given you information yeah. about what's behind the curtains by showing you one of them. So switching because if to, you picked it correctly, switching, switching, to, uh, you're, you're changing your answer to, to curtain one actually increases the chance then. It always increases your probability. Yes, interesting. Because if you, you were to expand think? that out, let's yeah. say there's 100 curtains, yeah. okay, and you pick curtain two, and they say, okay, well, curtain three to 100 all have a goat behind them. Mm. Do you want to switch or do you want to stick with the one you have? I want off of the show. That's right. <laughs> show something crap. wrong with that many goats in, what, in a game show. Like a, did you know you didn't even get to keep the goat? That's I unacceptable. That. I was like, I heard that on the podcast the other day. I was like, oh, my God. I thought they actually got the goat. But anyway, I don't know what you would do with it. I was a kid when the show Lawn was on. Lawn care. What do you want? Lawn care. So anyways, what I'm saying is people don't understand the probability that they should switch to door number sure. one or curtain number one, right? Sure. The computer will always take curtain number one. It will always switch. Yes. But it's not always the one that has the prize behind it. Right. Right. It's, it's still probability. So there is still yeah. a chance that the other one was right. Yes. So the computer will always take the more probable choice, but the more probable one is not always the right answer. And that is something that's going to happen when you're using algorithms and AI and stuff like that. I don't know what the solution to that is. But the solution might be well, x-ray goggles. Because if you can see behind goats. the curtain, you know there's a goat. Or if the prize that you wanted was a goat, then you got a really good shot. But you didn't get to keep the goat. You already said this. I know. I'm sorry. I forgot about the goat. Don't get people that so let's want get, goats. So let's get back on track up. about voice a little bit. 
So with voice already, I use it for everyday life, right? Mm -hmm. I use it in my Alexa. I use it to order coffee on my way out the door. My TV remote, if I want to watch a show because I'm too lazy to sit there and scroll back and forth trying to type out what I'm typing, I speak into my remote and say, Mm -hmm. play such and such on this platform. So right. play Blade play on Netflix. Boss Baby on Netflix. Yeah, there you That's go. That's what I'm always watching as a kid. <laughs> That's what happens when you have kids under five. So I already do it. I already use it. Like, do you guys use it in your everyday life? Or is it something you're still... I use it constantly. You use yeah. it constantly. What about you, Seth? Yeah, I, I don't even have Alexa or Google Home or any of those platforms. It's been on my Christmas list for the last two years, and I did actually have a conversation with Kira about that uh, the other day. So, Kira, if you're listening, <laughs> you can get them on Amazon or the Alexa. You know, sure. She she asked me why, and I was like, "Well, it seems like somebody would be there listening, and that part of it really just seems intrusive." Right. And and understanding that there's that yeah, there's it's not like somebody's sitting there in their car waiting for you to start talking into your you know over right. overhearing your car. It's not <laughs> well, like that's why that. people <laughs> didn't want to have cell phones. Right, right. And that's why people didn't want to yeah. have pagers. Yeah. Well, I told her about what yeah. you were what you were right. uh, turning off the television upstairs. You're like, uh, what, oh, yeah. You know, hey, come right. down for dinner, and and like the you know that communicates up to the room. That's and Jeremy. Yeah, that's me. Oh, if it doesn't if it doesn't work out, you're like, hey, hey, shut it down. Like yeah, it right. turns off the TV and eventually the kid comes downstairs. Yeah, it usually takes like, about 10 seconds, but yeah, yeah, that got her attention. And I was like, you I know used what? it for the Christmas tree lights. The, that was the greatest. You yeah. don't have to get behind your Christmas tree, get scratched up by all the needles and shit, right? Uh-huh, you just uh-huh. use the Alexa plug, right? You put it in there and you say, okay. Alexa, tree off. And it turns the Christmas tree lights mm-hmm. off. And right. Where the rest of us are stu- stuck back here with it's our clappers. Like and suckers. <laughs> So I, I get used excited to too much, and I clap, right. and the lights just go nuts. Well, or you have them on offset, you know, mm-hmm. and you're clapping for one, and it's turning on, and the other one's turning off. And I used to work in cable modem support in the late 1990s when they first came out, and I had probably once a week someone would call me and think that the red light on the front of the cable modem was like the red light on the front of like a recorder, right? Like uh, a video yeah. recorder. Yeah, it's recording me. And they're like, "Why are you spying on me? Why are you recording me?" Right? <laughs> and I mean. This would be like some guy who drives a truck in the oil field in northern Canada calling me to say somebody's spying on him. Like, no one's spying on you, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and, and you, if they and you are. You should probably sleep once more than yeah. every three days. No yeah. kidding. Like, <laughs> but I mean, people always think that people are spying on them. And I mean, there is a privacy line that needs to be drawn somewhere. And you don't have much of a choice in some of it anymore, which is, I mean, honestly, it's kind of kind of sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as you turn on your cell phone, it's tracking you. I don't care how many security apps and other stuff that you put on it. As soon as it's turned on, there is some kind of tracking happening. It's unavoidable. So unless you can find a phone that's not Android and not made by Apple and not made by Huawei or any of these other companies that's completely independent with Linux on it or something, but then good luck calling anybody, right? Yeah. Or getting any app that does <laughs> well, anything. I think one of the good things is, is overarching most everything, there's like this human component again, where, right. where we generally have the best interest of everybody at heart. I mean, you can take any kind of technology and it's like, there's going to be another side of it. There's going to be a part of it that it's going to be like, wow, we didn't see that happening or pot the potential of it being used like that. The dark web was, and you know, we were kind of talking about that. And there's an element of the dark web that has been used for- well, You know what they used for, to call the dark web? The internet. Right, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what are we going to do? Are we going right. to, are, are, is the solution to just take away the internet because there was somebody that misused that, that tool? Right. It's a tool. 
and and the tools are there to help and the tools will improve it's got a, a trajectory that is exponential right frankly because it, it happens to be technology and where we're at now podcasting podcasting so, which we're doing right, right now right it's and a, you guys have your own podcast it's uh, money on tap money right? on tap yeah and digital underground and digital underground <laughs> Is it? Digital no. marketing. It's master. digital marketing masters. <laughs> I thought you were like I have another one called digital. <laughs> the Haunting dance is what it's called now. That's right. Um, yeah. So there's there's only so much time that I have, and so digital marketing masters and uh, money on tap are the two that I choose most often. I have about twelve that I listen to regularly. Twelve. Yeah. That's incredible. Ain't nobody really, got time for that. I every single time radio. I'm in my car, I have one of those on. Yeah. Grocery store, whatever, yeah. headphones, podcast. Yeah. Like I probably listen right. to an hour to two hours of podcast a day. So the podcasting thing, and is radio going to be something of the past? Mm-hmm. And what I love about podcasting is we're here doing this right now, right? And we, I mean, how much of an investment did it take to use the computer or the microphone and record? And then pour it into something right. that's creative and that, and that is out there. I mean, it just, it's nominal. $200. Right. Anybody, <laughs> like, Roughly. Like anybody can do this. And there's, so there's the element of it's really free radio and that's mm-hmm. so cool about it. But I also see this very large commercial happening or movement where, you know, uh, Stitcher is now a subscription service if you want such and such a show, right? Right. And, you know, Howard Stern kind of did that moving, you know, towards uh, satellite, satellite radio. radio. Yeah. Right. So there's a part there. So there's the elements that uh, that I think stay cool, which are, you know, is it free and accessible and is it creative? It's a space that people right. are just doing so much with. And everybody wants to communicate and everybody can through the platform. So it's like, what's going to happen is, is who knows? Right. And I, and that's what I love about it. It it changing. There's always going to be people wanting the stuff that's free. I mean, radio is not going anywhere. I think the thing about radio is because radio was traditionally free and like video was traditionally free, right? Like you used to get the way back, way, way back in the day, you had yeah. like four channels of television or 13, right? And right. then you had to have like a UHF, like the little bunny ear antennas on your television and shit. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and as time moved on, it was like, oh, you have to subscribe to cable, but it looked free, right? Because I mean, you would get all the channels. Because it was garbage. Right? And you're yeah. like the public public station that and then you're you like, what like, is this? What are they doing? Now you right? get like 600 <laughs> channels of TV or whatever, but people still go watch stuff on YouTube because it's free, right? It's like the wild west of video, right? Right. Just right. like podcasting is there now, yeah. right? It's the wild west of radio at this point again. Yes. And they're um, figuring out ways to monetize right. and there will be monetization. it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that people think audio broadcast is free in general. Yeah. So I think the only way that's going to monetize it that's going to work is some kind of back-end monetization, whether that is product placement, merchandising, that kind of stuff, or just commercial advertisement, just like television, right? And this is a good time to hear from your sponsors, right? Sure. Yeah. And our sponsor today is, well, apparently it's Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks yeah, and Subway. Up. And I had an insomnia coffee this mm-hmm. morning, too. Uh-huh. I've been coffeeing it up today, yeah. if you can't tell. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but the first four years of commercial television that were on in the United States were commercial-free. And then they started adding they commercial it out. once right. like between each show and then they would add more. Right. Just like Facebook used to be free yeah. and Twitter was commercial free yeah. and Instagram was commercial free 
and radio used to be commercial free. Hulu uh, was commercial free. As people start to use it, yeah. then they put commercials in. A few people complain about it, right? Oh my God, I used to listen to this for free. Now I got to listen to this commercial, whatever. And that goes on and on and on and on. And pretty soon podcasts are going to be driven with commercials in them, just like everything else, mm-hmm. right? And some of them will be free. Maybe they'll be public radio, or you, like I said, you have monetization a different way. Just like people really don't like to see advertisements in like movie theaters when they pay to go see a movie. I know there are some still, but that's where product placement in movies and TV shows came from, right? It's another way to monetize without adding more commercials. Right. Because you couldn't add any more. So how do you make more money? Yeah. Is you put product placement in and then it was merchandising. So the ways that you monetize are not changing. Just the platform is changing. Yeah. And just because everybody or anybody can make a podcast now, doesn't mean everybody's gonna, for one, right? right? Like anything. Or should. It's, right. yeah, or should. Present that, company excluded. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but the, the people who do make it eventually higher broadcast quality and maybe better content quality in general mm-hmm. is gonna take over the majority of the market share, but there's still gonna be millions of listeners left that listen to everything else. Mm. There was a study put out recently that says that uh, on video and stuff like that, people will turn off a video or a stream because of the audio, not necessarily the video. Visually, they don't really care what's happening. So if you're if you're going to do something like this, if you're going to do a podcast or if you're going to do live streaming of some sort, make sure the audio is good. Another thing that's been happening, and I don't have any real statistics on this, but Daryl Ives from, he's a teaches YouTube, discovery stuff and YouTube SEO stuff. Anyway, his channel's fantastic. But people will put on like podcasts and educational stuff that's recorded on and shown on YouTube, but they don't watch it. They put it on so they can listen to the podcast and then they go do their dishes, take care of their kids, whatever it is, and they play it just like having music on. Mm -hmm. And same thing with voice tech like Alexa. If you're listening to this at home right now and I say, Alexa, play the Digital Marketing Masters podcast. Your Alexa should go on and start playing that podcast. Yes. And hopefully it did. Thanks, John Oliver. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh. So that's pretty much what we have time for, right? Is AI's coming, or it's here, I should say. We need to do what we can to make sure it's not Skynet. It and creeps some people out. It creeps a lot of people <laughs> out. Voice is becoming an everyday thing for a lot of people, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Like we've said here before, the Alexa device in my home, I can I can call pretty much any room where somebody's going to be and talk to them without being the guy who yells across the house. If my kid decides he's not going to listen and come down for dinner or, you know, because I asked him a question or whatever, I turn off his electronics and he doesn't know what the heck just happened. He just knows hmm. that it stopped working. I might still yell at them. Maybe. I mean, why not? You can make an Alexa app to do that. Yeah. Like, Alexa, yell at my kids. If it edits me. Like, <laughs> there's a, a Silicon beep, Valley. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> there's a Silicon Valley episode where um, the guy has the electronics, like the Alexas, be the bad guy. When it's kids' bedtime, the alarm right. goes off and it says it's time for bed. And the kid's like, but can I stay up longer? And the dad's like, no, it's not my choice. It's Alexa's. <laughs> <laughs> we tell our daughter, she's three, and we say, all right, we're going to go have a bath in five minutes. When the timer goes off, it's time for bath. And we say, mm-hmm. Alexa, set a timer for five minutes. And it goes. And when the timer goes off, she goes, Alexa, stop timer. Because she's a little bit of a lisp because she's three. And then she'll run and go get in the bathtub. Like, yeah. she knows the drill. Yeah. She knows how to use it. She'll, Alexa, play Baby Shark. God forbid. Over and over. <laughs> right? 
She's got into some other ones now. Now, now it's Bingo the dog that she okay. plays about yeah. 50 times a day. Yeah, You're Daddy welcome. Finger, Daddy That's Finger. That's right. And Daddy Finger, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Wheels on the bus go round and round. That's right. So Wheels should, on the bus. Hey, you should probably roll that song out. That way it, it will be with everyone that's listening to this for the rest of the day. And so, I'll hate you. So let's when close you- it off with Alexa. <laughs> play the Wheels on the bus. <laughs> This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Markoff. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next episode where we will be talking with David Einhorn of Abilities at Work about how hiring people with developmental disabilities adds diversity and culture to your workforce. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.